0: From the capital of the Commonwealth, this is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN.
1: Boy, did I just break my golden rule oh my goodness did i just break sweet my lou
2: we had all of this material this could have been on the web it could have been right the there. mics on
1: by accident sweet lou. yeah
2: you could have had all I'll of this on time. the web we could have went <laughs> went right to esp in richmond you could have got all of this great content you know
1: that was the best five minutes of radio that never aired sports
2: huddle after dark or something <laughs> yeah. like that right like there that. for you
1: i like that and Actually, Sean and I, I don't want to say we got into it because I think we're on the same side here. We were just so passionate about it yeah. that it became a little high-octane, high-octave.
2: We're in agreement for the most part. I, 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 we are in agreement with the one-time transfer rule as far as a student athlete, any sport, if the coach leaves, regardless, and we, I was, I added the, the coach that recruited him, because sometimes if a coach is there for a good period of time, And then they decide to leave. Usually that coach has recruited he or she at that sport. That's why I put it in there. But if the coach leaves, that student athlete should be able to leave wherever they want. And it does not matter if it's the school the coach is going to. Correct. They should have no penalty. Correct. In that. Plus they have the one-time transfer. That doesn't count as their one-time transfer. You basically have two at that point. We are in agreement with that. Whole I
1: think that's somewhat in play right now. I got to go ask a compliance person that, but I do think if a coach leaves, there is a window where the where the players can leave. I don't know if it would count as their one time transfer or not, but I know they can leave. Yeah, but for I, and sure. I,
2: and if it does, that I don't agree with. If yeah, that no, count as their one it time, but if it if it does, I don't agree with that. And I think Chris Mooney has said that a lot when when it comes to the transfer rule. That previous coach does put a lot of time and resource in recruiting he or she to come to that particular school. Then on a dime, you say, oh, no, I'm going to leave after a year because now I can use my one-time waiver to go to that particular school, which I get they should have the opportunity to do it because, of course, the the, the rule of thumb is, hey, if the coach can do it, he sign, he or she signs a five-year deal, he leaves after two years, why can't the student-athlete? We that's about, Reggie's point yeah and we talked about and that I'm with, just
1: not a total believer in that I think we're we're dealing with two different entities here but is the entity not anymore not anymore I was gonna say is that's the entity changing.
2: is the entity the financial part of it Probably. like if a coach signs a five-year let's say with Signetti didn't he have like a he signed an extension I think a so. couple years ago with Madison let's say the extension was four years he leaves in the middle of it, which was the second year of mm-hmm. his four-year extension, mm-hmm. to take a five million dollar mm-hmm. per year at job in Indiana. So, with that being said, so I'm trying to why would that, be, as far as the, the the financial aspect of it, you saying that's the big difference because they're they are being financially compensated. I think they're in two different worlds. Well, okay.
1: our, let me put it this. I would like them to still be in two different worlds. Right. Maybe I just need to focus on Division Three and be done with <laughs> Division Two and Division I because I think that's where I'm kind of heading, which is not what I want because I want to be able to see the best talent right. playing, but I want it probably under the old guy rules here. I just think we're playing under two different sets, not of rules, but of, of circumstances. These people are college students. Mm-hmm. Their real world is coming down the road later not now. The coaches are in their real world okay. now. They can get fired, they can pay taxes. Right. The students are not yet in in that world. Now, some I'm, are. Okay. With the some, NIL. Which is why right, which is why I'm okay yeah. if it was reasonable to be to have the NIL and to have the freedom to move mm-hmm. as you just talked about. So look, in Kurt Cignetti's case, there was probably some sort of penalty that had to be paid for him to break yeah. his contract, yeah. meaning a buyout. Mm-hmm. Now he probably has a hell of an agent mm-hmm. who got Indiana to pay the buyout. Uh, that's
2: inconsequential. Now yeah, we see that somebody a
1: lot. paid yeah. a penalty for Kurt Signetti leaving JMU and breaking his contract.
2: And you want the, let's say, the student athlete to have the quote unquote penalty, should he or she leaves. Uh, From one school to the other.
1: I will never call it a penalty because I think sitting out a year is a positive. I have just seen it too many times. And I'm not talking about the rarefied 1% and Lewis popped his head in appropriately during the break and said, Hey, is Joe Bamaseo an NBA guy? Mm -hmm. Is that why he's in such a hurry? So I'm not talking about that 1%. They want to get through that year of college so they can go make... Mm a few more million than they're making in college, which is now in the millions also. <laughs> right. So that that's not the group I'm talking about. And, and from my own personal experience, mm-hmm. meaning Richmond, I can tell you how many guys going all the way back to Rodney Rice and Tony Dobbins mm. and how beneficial it was for them mm-hmm. to sit out a year and then play their remaining three years and absolutely flourish. Mm-hmm. TJ Klein, if you want more recent, yeah times. Yeah. And again, I'm talking retro because that's where I work. So I will never call sitting out a year a penalty. For and that I, reason. And
2: I saw that penalty. I saw that at Virginia State. A lot of guys, you know, that first year they transfer. Cause back in the day a lot of people probably don't remember if you there were some that actually transferred within the conference and there was a double penalty. Right for that. That's you had to correct. set out two That's years correct. if you transferred within your conference.
1: Get that now.
2: <laughs> you set out, two, and, and Sweet Lou is looking at me like I'm crazy. No, <laughs> if you transferred within your conference, and this was mid, late 90s, Absolutely. early 2000s, Absolutely. you had to set out two years in that, So you really only had that two... So, it, so it, nobody did it. So nobody did that it. That is
1: a penalty. That, that that's one, I pe- will say, is a penalty, yeah. and that's gone the
2: wayside yes. for sure. I only said the penalty because we were talking about like the coaches. Agreed. If there was a financial penalty for a coach to, to break he, his or her contract because a better opportunity is there, that's why I was saying for the student-athlete. They will call it maybe a, a quote-unquote penalty because they feel, hey, I have a better opportunity, let's say for NIL, to make... More at this school than I am currently receiving at my current institution. Why should I have the same? Why should I have a penalty?
1: I think they'd still be getting the NIL even in the year they were sitting out. The way NIL is going right now, they're handing out paychecks that could to be the to fifth string into. left guard for crying out loud.
2: That could be something to look into. Like if uh, I you have to sit out,
1: I think they're still getting NIL.
2: That could be part of it. If you sit out, if you have to sit out, then the money. That you were, I guess, promised or you were you agreed upon is frozen. Maybe until it's frozen, you're,
1: but you're going to get
2: it. Yeah, until you're eligible. Mm-hmm. So when you if you're not eligible at that particular year, you don't get the nil money at that point. Maybe not. Yeah,
1: I'm actually okay with them still getting the nil during even, that if, year. They're not, yeah. even if they're not. Even if
2: they are not Okay, I don't.
1: That that doesn't bother me in the okay. least. actually. interesting. That's not my money. But not even I don't my... think they're going to get the money if they're not playing. I it. don't know about that. I don't know if that's true or not. I, I really don't. The way it. the NIL is going right now, and the people that are getting it—walk-ons are getting it, and you know, injured guys are getting it. I, fifth, like I said, literally fifth-string offensive tackles yeah. are are getting free trucks at Utah or wherever the heck that was. It was. I think it was every player, right? Every pl- whatever. Yeah. yeah so yeah, so yeah, I don't. I truck. don't think not playing is a is a reason not to get NIL okay. at all. And again, and, and Reggie didn't call in the half hour window i gave him so i obviously i obviously didn't say anything terribly egregious there here you go. i'm not against movement I, I i just and i used the phrase yesterday and earl texted and said you keep using the phrase wild wild west well i didn't make that up i'm not smart enough to come up with that some other talking head said that but i agreed i agreed with it i don't want it to be that wild wild west but a one-time transfer i'm fine with that coach leaving i'm i'm certainly fine with that mm-hmm. What we've learned here is this waiver process is so subjective. It's probably it not is. a good thing, because people have to make decisions here, and it's totally subjective. There's a lot of and gray there's always area. gonna gray area. Exactly, there's always gonna be a lot. I don't know how you solve that other than after that one time, that's it. You mm-hmm. you transfer again. Here's what I do: transfer a second <laughs> time, right? Yep. If you and we say no. If you want to submit a waiver, uh, uh, one appeal to us, you mm-hmm. can. Mm-hmm. After that, that's it. We're the Supreme Court. It can't go any higher. We're done. Oh, and so that's the not t- going to happen. So the
2: school would have the final say. No, or the, the NCAA, appe- oh, NCA. okay. whatever committee okay. is
1: making the eventual. Okay. That's not going to happen. That'll go to litigation. I realize I'm living in a surreal world.
2: But there should be I think there that, should be but some but more. My
1: point to Reggie, and, you, and, and I think you and I are on the same page, mm-hmm. is I'm not against the movement, the freedom of movement. I just don't want it to be too much where the schools can't handle like the schools you know lose out in the deal I say it all the fans lose out in the Mm -hmm. deal it's just not good for the game yeah like you you brought up a guys like five schools Mm -hmm. that's not good for him or her whoever it was
2: it's not good for the school and it's not good for the fans and the coaches each coach that recruited him or her (laughs) because you're doing it each year so a different coach is now recruiting you uh, that assistant coach, because it's not always the head coach, their staff is recruiting that particular athlete. It's it, it does get to a point like, wow, five different schools? I looked at them like, he went to five different schools? <laughs> I'm like, how? how Really?
1: Really. I know. You and I do the same thing when we do games yeah. and, you, and you print out rosters and you look at, pr- like, not even 10 years ago, if there were transfers, it was like a headline story. Yes, now, teams that have mostly returning players from a year ago, that's the headline story. Like, I forget who Richmond played recently, maybe Northern Iowa. They had, like, nine of their 13 scholarship guys back
2: from last year, and everybody was like, wow. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Exactly. That's well, I did deal. the Norfolk State game, and one of his freshmen, I think it was his only – he only had maybe three freshmen on the roster. Only one saw significant time, which was about 18 to 19 minutes, area guy Chris Fields. Uh, Chris Evans, Chris Fields from uh, Petersburg, um, that was to me a big deal now because you mm. had so many transfers. But this one freshman is getting like eighteen or nineteen minutes. It's like, oh wow, what is he doing that the other guys aren't to get into the mix with all of these newcomers? Some coming from power fives, some coming from mid majors, and he's you know finding his niche on that team to get some time. So I'm with you on that.
1: And and as as you and I were talking, and I had this conversation with Coach Mooney the other night uh, at our radio show at World of Beer on, on a Monday night, I am impressed and amazed by the number of mid-major to low-mid-major mm-hmm. guys who have transferred after a year, and that's not good for those schools. I get that, but there's a give and take here, that are flourishing at high-level programs. Mm-hmm. And I use Florida... As an example, because Richmond just played them. And they Mm -hmm. had three, if not starters, significant players. And they were from Belmont, Iona, and Marshall. Mm. And I asked Coach Mooney, I'm like, is that a result of them getting great coaching in that one year they were at Belmont, Iona, and Marshall Mm -hmm. and becoming that much better? Or were they really pretty darn good out of high school and they just got (coughs) missed? Mm -hmm. And Chris thought it was probably more of the latter, more of them getting missed, out of high school, that it's an unscientific process. You can't get everybody. And in this day and age, you're taking the transfers ahead of the high school kids. Yep. And these kids get under recruited and they wind up at Belmont, Marshall, and Iona, all due respect to those three schools. And after a year where they flourish and they're rookie of the year in those conferences, mm-hmm. now the big boys are looking at them and they are getting their chance in the big spotlight. I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. And then I said, Oh, what was me about those mid majors? And you said,
2: I'm trying to. uh, uh, Oh, as far as on the flip side, you look at it for those who were at a Power Five school but didn't get the playing time. Now they're using that and they're going to mid majors. Belmont, Uh, Marshall, and Iowa. Yeah, like Norfolk State. Perfect example. I'm uh, Norfolk Norfolk State and Hampton. I'll use the HBCUs for example. Uh, Tristan Maxwell Mm -hmm. played at Georgia Tech. Vernon Maxwell's son transferred down played at Hampton. He's doing very well. Two guys that played at South Carolina SEC programs both transferred to. uh, To Hampton as well. Um, Norfolk State has got a couple of uh power five schools that they played at power five schools and transferred now to HBCUs. And Coach Jones basically said that's what you know we have. Guys don't want to sit, even if you're playing at a power five program. If they feel that they are just as good or better as the guys that are in front of them, they're not gonna want to sit on the bench. They're going to want to go somewhere and play. And if those mid-majors give them the opportunity to play and succeed, they're going to use that year to come down and play and, like you say, flourish at a mid-major like that. And speaking about Iona, did that player play under Patino? Probably, yeah. So that's – yeah, yeah,
1: and he didn't follow him to St. John's, right? Which would have been fine, but, but he got that he went that to a benefit. good place yeah. in Florida,
2: but got that benefit of playing yes. under Patino and getting that experience. And is the old coach at Belmont still there too? Did he no?
1: Um, retired. Rick, uh, I can I can yeah, see him, I'm, and I can't I'm, remember his last. I'll name. think of his name, but no, he, he retired. He, he retired. Okay. The his former assistant who was the head coach at Lipscomb. Is there Casey Alexander okay. is now the head coach there? But so, that's still some, that's good. Yeah, yeah. But it, so uh, in that regard, it does work, mm-hmm. Reggie. It does work, but here's my caveat to that. Please don't leave again, right? that's the problem. Okay, so those three guys from Marshall, Belmont, Iona are at at Florida now. Mm -hmm. They are all playing. Mm -hmm. I don't want them leaving again to go to – I'm going to use your example – to go to Kentucky in your own conference Mm -hmm. and and play more. That's where I want the sit-out year, that if you're really going to be committed to leaving again, I want you staying a couple of years at that next school, even if you don't play. One of those years. So those three guys, I'm sure, will stay at Florida because yeah. they're all significant players. There. And I saw that. And the same with your mid-major guys. Yeah. When the Georgia Tech guy comes down to Norfolk State, to Hampton, yeah, Hampton, he needs to. St- I hope he st- doesn't need you to, hope. but I hope he stays. I hope he doesn't get so good that he goes, you know what? I got one more year you left.
2: I'm going to go back to exactly. Kentucky. Exactly. Uh, that.
1: Uh, uh, that's where I'm saying that's where that slam the brakes on.
2: That happened in the women's game. Uh, Was I want to say Nia Wilson was a star player at William and Mary, transferred in conference to Hampton, or no? I have it backwards. I'm sorry. She played well at Hampton, all conference at Hampton, stays in conference, goes to William and Mary. What was one of our first two games against Hampton? Hampton Played well. I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute, really? That's what we're doing now? We're in conference, but it's like all bets are off. At that point,
1: hey, you preach to the choir. Amir Hall had an interception against the Spiders in the playoff game. I'm like really? That's what we're doing. He leaves and goes to Albany and gets p- <laughs> and right on the Spider sideline, and he let oh, him really? know it too.
2: Yeah. Oh wow. Anyway,
1: all right, all right. Let's let's move here. All right, a, a uh, sweet Lou, you got to stop being so sweet with us. <laughs> it's time to be sour and say, boys, it's time to move here. All right, let let's do. do you know we don't have any guests today when I'm <laughs> when I'm free, freelancing like this. All right, five seventeen on the sports Huddle. Here we go. These are this afternoon's top sports stories.
3: I'm sure you'll be fascinated by all the uh,
0: stories you have to tell. This is today's Drive Home Headlines.
1: Brought to you by James River Air. If you're not happy with your heating and cooling system, call James River Air for a free in-home consultation. Check them out online at jamesriverair.com. There's an NFL game tonight, isn't there?
2: Yes, the Chargers minus Justin Herbert. Head to Vegas in City, baby, <laughs> to play those Raiders an old AFC West showdown. So that'll be pretty interesting. Oh, real quick, did you uh, see the news As Stony Brook, former Richmond offensive of Coordinator? Billy Kosh. Uh, Billy Kosh is now the new head
1: coach at Stony Brook. What a meteoric rise. How about think, that? Think about that. He was... Um, I think like the wide receivers coach at first at VMI. Yeah. Not even the coordinator yet. <laughs> he went from that to coordinator at VMI to one year as coordinator at Richmond to one year as coordinator at Western, at Western, Western. Michigan. This sounds like a player transferring, Sean. <laughs> and he's only 31, so he's, he's close enough. I know. And now the head coach at In at conference. Stony In, well. Stony Brook. Yeah, he's yeah, at Stony Brook. Yeah, yeah. Well, but he was at Western Michigan. Right, right. Last but I mean,
2: year. he comes back to the CAA and now. Well, we'll
1: they be- were saying that the year that he was at Richmond probably helped him get the Stony Brook job because say. the Spiders put 54 on the board against Stony it Brook.
2: It didn't right hurt. Here. I mean, that <laughs> offense was, I mean, that yeah. one year. They put up some prolific numbers, and when you had Reese Udinski doing his thing as the quarterback, that did not hurt at all at for all. his uh, for his case to be a head coach. So
1: happy for him! Only got to know him obviously literally one, yeah. for less than a year. Yeah, um, and you know what? If if the the way that story go, I know we got to get to the break, but the way Russ Usman tells that story is that he actually went to go see VMI play Chattanooga on the Spiders off week because his son Jacob was coaching at Chattanooga. Mm -hmm. So he went to go see Chattanooga play. (laughs) And what he came away impressed with was VMI's offense. Mm -hmm. And he's like, okay, who's this guy running VMI's offense? And when he made a change at offensive coordinator at the end of the year, Mm -hmm. he remembered that game that he had seen, and he hired Billy Kosh. If that hadn't happened, who who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Thirty-one years old, head coach at. Stony Brook. So, a little
2: piece of that that salary, Billy,
1: goes to is, Russ. He's going to Russ. I am going to be Russ's agent. There you go. On that, on that trickle there down. You go. theory. All uh, right, let's get the break in here. Uh, but yes, I did see the story yes. and, and actually saw an interview. They had him on their basketball game last night. Okay, cool. So I did see an interview. Cool. and They introduced him today, and I am very happy about this. Richmond and Stony Brook do not play this year. The, opponent, we, the yeah. opponents were announced I didn't the other see that. day. Can not we the cal- dates. You want to talk
2: about that during the, we during the break? We can do that. Okay. Or should
1: we do it during the break and not let anybody yeah. else hear
2: it? At, we'll do it after we come back. Okay, we'll do it after <laughs> we come back from the
1: break. Uh, it is a feel-good Thursday. Way to power through this, yes. Sean. Well done. Sean Robertson from CBS 6, Bob Black, Sweet Lou Producing. He's about to hit the commercial button, and we'll be back after the break on 1061 ESPN.
0: For the Dallas Cowboys, all season is 1061 ESPN. Brought to you by Arthur's Electric and Park and & Go.
1: I'm sure everyone's asking now, Sean, what did they talk about during that commercial break, huh? I think we regurgitated the last one pretty well about the whole transfer thing. Mm-hmm. I think that one translated okay.
2: No, that was good.
1: All we talked about during this last break is is the old days when you couldn't buy alcohol, like on Sundays. Yes. And dry counties. Mm-hmm. And the reason... It all comes back to sports yep. eventually, and you wanted to talk <laughs> a little bit about the spiders' football schedule. Yeah, because
2: you, your CA opponents were, came out. officially came yep. out, and so we were talking about that. Yeah. Well,
1: one of them, one of the away games, is at Campbell, mm-hmm. which is in Buies Creek, North Carolina, which is a dry county. Yes. that's what brought that. All up, and I think it is still is to this wow. day. So I said to Sean, when we go to dinner on Friday night, we're gonna have to drive a little ways and get out of. You
2: <laughs> gotta, gotta figure out what <laughs> what city can we go that we can actually have a, an adult. And no, 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 in. I
1: didn't mean drive because uh, that oh, would not yeah. be uh, Uber. Oh, right. We would Uber uh, yes. to dinner so that we could have an adult Flag an beverage Uber dinner. Yes. yes, we're not I, driving.
2: I apologize for saying for that. sure. Yes, so I think
1: this schedule is a little bit more enticing than last year's for Richmond. And by that I mean primarily the home games, and part of that's because they got William and Mary, you know, every other year. That's at still going to happen. Year, yep. And then you get one more shot at Delaware, last year in the mm-hmm. league. They're coming Towson, which at least is regional, North Carolina A and T uh, is the other conference opponent at home, and Wofford and Charleston Southern are the non-conference opponents.
2: You got those back to back, right after the. Uh the uva game uh, well, to start the year
1: uh yeah i guess so those dates are already out right yeah, yeah. august 31st is at virginia UVA, yeah
2: september 7th watford september 14th is charleston southern and then you go to dell state on the 21st and then the other games were not posted on the spider. right website. the conference it's, it's, the has conference. not released yes. the dates but yeah. the
1: non-conference dates mm-hmm. see i didn't even know all that Uh-oh. i mean i guess i knew those dates already but i didn't realize we'd even post i that. didn't know i just
2: <laughs> went to the website well let me see the schedule yeah.
1: At the, yeah, so I, it's it's a little better from a fan perspective maybe than this past year, at least for the home games. And this is a year, and I've explained this many times, that the FCSs can play 12 regular season mm-hmm. games. It all depends on the calendar and the number of Saturdays right. between Labor Day and Thanksgiving because obviously FCS starts its playoffs on Thanksgiving weekend, mm-hmm. so they can't go any longer than that. Now, so there's 13 Saturdays between labor day and thanksgiving so you still get a bye week mm-hmm. and you don't have to play 12 like there are schools that will still only play 11 play but you have the opportunity to play 12 and get which, two bye
2: weeks no you oh, still just still get one?
1: well oh. i guess if you only played 11 you'd probably yeah. get two okay or start the season a week later and that would be your bye week whatever uh, and i can remember there are some uh ca schools that had done that in the past i want to say like maine maybe or new hampshire didn't want to travel for an extra game or something, you yeah, know, along those lines. And I was, so I, I'm still
2: curious, and I know, I know, coaches and the players in this level, the FCS level, love that opportunity to play a Power Five school. They mm-hmm. go to a Power Five stadium to get that opportunity. I'm just still curious with the FCS and the playoff matchups, and especially the talk of East Coast teams having to travel west or Mountain West mm-hmm. uh, to play those playoff games late in the year. Do you? Does the does the risk of playing an FBS team outweigh maybe a home game or a neutral site or even a road game against a perennial playoff contender that could possibly help your resume later in the year?
1: I think that sounds good, but I think most players would vote to play the, the FBS. Okay. Uh, I do and I actually think probably the coaches as well, because it's, it's kind of a no-lose right. scenario other than maybe you get some guys hurt. Although I've had coaches, and Russ Huseman is one of them, that said the data shows we don't get any more injuries when we play the FBS than we do in any yeah. other game.
2: Because the last two years, you know, I didn't mean to laugh, but the last two years, Richmond played in an FBS team, a key player got hurt, right? Two years ago with Tech.
1: Well, that was Mancuso.
2: Mancuso yes. Yes. got hurt. Who's didn't somebody get hurt last year against Michigan State?
1: Uh maybe.
2: A key player, I'm thinking. Yeah, I
1: guess the point is it would have happened no matter who you play. I I don't know. But it's not like there were 12 injuries because we played Michigan State or something like that. I I I think the players like that game. I think the fans like that game. Uh, And I I think the coaches, other than that scenario— It's kind of a no-lose, right? You're bringing home a paycheck. You're not expected to win. Right. If you go play one of those tough opponents that you're talking about and you don't win, it's going to hurt you. Okay. It'll help you if you win it. I I I remember one
2: year you played, I want to say it might have been Letta's next to last year or last year. You played Sam Houston State early in the year, first of the year, and I know it was a loss, but I was like, oh, this is an opportunity against a a team that you might could see or could help – Build the resume, should it be close mm-hmm. one way or the other? Like, oh, you play Sam Houston. Say you maybe lost by 10 on the road. This team lost to or maybe defeated a. no it was a uh, less than quality opponent. How much does that really factor in as to if you get one extra home game or if that team, mm-hmm. you know, you set up in a grid where that team out west would have to travel yep. east.
1: Yeah, it would have like to that. be a home and home. You'd have to okay. get them come back home too. Yeah. I would try that actually. If a uh, you know, North Dakota or Montana or some not even one of the elite ones like yeah. South Dakota State is elite, not even that total of her, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. Just bring it down a notch and play a home and home, I I I would entertain.
2: Like the year you don't like you don't play the FBS team, you get that home and home and then the following year you get you it's just I back. think
1: you want the FBS every year. You, yeah. you want the paycheck, let's be honest. Yeah. We're talking a lot about money today. This is true. Let's be honest. This is true. You, you, want, you want the paycheck, and, and it, I think the experience. i playing. It's not only for the players. I mean, the fans love the experience. Yeah. Heck, I love the experience. I love going to the FBS stadiums and cities and how you're treated. Yeah. It's a whole it's, it's, a, yeah, it's a whole different world, and no it's good. No question. So I, I would not give up the FBS game. Okay. Now, I wouldn't play more than one in a year. You know, I agree with that. If, if there was another one on the tape, I wouldn't do that. Then yeah. I do think you're... You're putting your guys at mm-hmm. risk a little bit, mm-hmm. and you, you know you might have two losses on your schedule before you ever get right. started. I wouldn't right. do that. So, um, Let's take one more break. I know you got to go, but if you stay for one more segment, I do just want your thoughts on what you think the Capitals and Wizards move to okay. Virginia means not only for them, but there's been a lot of talk about the pressure that's now on D.C. to get the commanders mm-hmm. back within the city limits mm-hmm. if those teams really do go outside the city limits. Let's do that. Okay. Sean's got to go. He's got a game to cover tonight. Um, so one more segment with him, and then I'll finish it up. With you up till 6 o'clock. Sports out of 1061
0: ESPN. Let's get social. Follow us on X and Instagram at ESPN Richmond. And find us on Facebook by searching ESPN Richmond. Don't miss a thing from your home for sports in Richmond, 1061 ESPN. This week, just head to our website and to our This Week on 1061 ESPN Richmond page for a preview of what's to come on 1061 ESPN.
1: All right, coming down the home stretch on a Thursday afternoon, feel good Thursday afternoon, and it has been Sean Roberts and Bob Black with you here in our ESPN Richmond studio. All right, put that commander's hat. Back on because I think that's the trickle down <laughs> effect of the big announcement yesterday. Oh yeah, um, of the Wizards and the Caps, monumental, potentially moving to Alexandria. They've cleared a couple of important hurdles. They still have a couple more to go, and they're they've been upfront about that. They know mm-hmm. they they. In fact, I think this thing has a pretty good vibe to it. in My opinion. Um, you know, I think there's some people that are upset they're leaving D.C. Mm-hmm. and and Capital One Arena and and all that. But anyway, if if it does happen, Sean. How much pressure do you think that does put on the city to try and bring the commanders back within the city limits?
2: I think it's a tremendous amount hmm. of pressure because, I mean, you lose two, you know, franchises, <coughs> excuse me, two pro sports franchises. You're losing your NHL hockey team. You're losing your NBA hockey team. You're losing a lot of revenue that went to the downtown mm-hmm. D.C. area, Chinatown uh, district. Um, and you have the commanders currently in Maryland. So if and when those two franchises leave Capital One, where are you going to get that money? Where is that where's that D.C. revenue going to come from? Um, And what will that also do for conference tournaments? Will they even use Capital One Arena as well? So I think it's going to be a lot of pressure on the council people, council men and women uh, to, you know, get the lines of communication started with the new people, the new ownership group with Washington and saying, okay, let's. Start anew. Let's start fresh and see if we can have the commanders in D.C., whether it's at the old site and you rebuild RFK or you build a new stadium somewhere in that D.C. district. But I think the loss of those two franchises is putting a lot of pressure on the the people that make the laws in D.C. to keep at least one pro sports franchise in the nation's capital. That's Mm going to be huge if you don't have any professional sports franchises in that D.C. Mm -hmm. area.
1: And, you know, a lot of people have been critical of the mayor and the city council, that they were, you know, asleep at the switch here. This thing's been going on for a while. I know the press conference happened like that. Mm-hmm. But but obviously, this has been happening for a while. And I think they had some proposal on the table, $500 million in renovations. Mm-hmm. To ca- I, I just don't think it's it would have mattered, right? Like, if, if he could build a brand spanking new facility and complex campus, for crying mm-hmm. out loud. It's not just the arena, practice arena, entertainment. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a pretty... Amazing deal, and if you could get into a brand new place at twenty thousand seats, even with five hundred million dollars in renovations, I'm not sure I would still do it. I would think I would still want the new, yeah. the new toy anyway, wouldn't you?
2: I think so. I don't I, think it's I don't think those, the owners, nothing personal. Yeah. It's just I think t- I don't think Mr. Leonis was just woke up, you know, mm-hmm. out of a cold sweat one night and said, like, <laughs> "Oh, I want to move my two franchises out of D.C." And I mean, it it took some time. Yeah. He probably. He probably observed so much and didn't say anything and just had it like in his memory bank. Like, OK, this is not going well. A lot of renovations are not working mm-hmm. or, not, or or they're taking too long to get done. Maybe I should just kind of start looking at different properties, different lots outside of the D.C. area. Obviously, the crime in D.C. has gone up to a point where maybe a lot more people don't want to come to Chinatown and see. The Wizards, who stink right now, well, let's just be honest, <laughs> yeah. they, they're bad. They're yeah. not as bad as the Pistons and <laughs> the Spurs, Wow. but they're but they're bad. Um, <laughs> and the hockey team has slipped since so mm-hmm. they won the Stanley Cup, so you don't get the sellout crowds to come there. And he's probably saying, man, if we can get a brand spanking new arena somewhere that's not in an area where it's going to be a lot of crime, Mm-hmm. You know, maybe not like Landover where it's in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. but it's it's you're more than likely to come out and not have your head on a swivel to say, okay, I need to watch my back and stuff like that. Everything is gonna be you know, it's gonna be in an area where you're gonna feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Now I don't think it's it's to a point where maybe not so many people are comfortable coming out to the D C area.
1: Yeah. I mean I think traffic is always gonna be a concern. I always. know we all know about that up there, but I think parking at the facility is going to be better. There is no parking at Capital One. Yeah, right. But that
2: underground deck, I think, is. That's really about it. it. Yeah,
1: and out there, you would assume they're going to have massive parking you lots. Would think. You've already got a new metro station right there at mm-hmm. Potomac Yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they will. They will change the infrastructure of the roadways to some degree. I like. It's easy for me to say because I don't live up there, mm-hmm. but I. I like I'm I'm good with it. And it's only 8 miles from Capital One Arena. Right, it's not.
2: I mean, it's I mean, like in yeah. some
1: of the in some of the renderings, some of the pictures actually the GPS mm-hmm. you could see Capital One Arena off in the in the distance oh, of really? the new That's How close? Oh, wow. they wow. There. Now, it's a world of difference because you're outside the city limits. Yeah. You don't get the tax money. You don't eight get miles the it's like 45 minutes. It, yeah, right, <laughs> that's <laughs> right. true too. And 45 million dollars probably exactly. the DC is losing yeah. in revenue and taxes and, be, and all that.
2: And that's why I said I think the 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 lawmakers you know the pressure is on them now Mm -hmm. because when you lose those when you lose two franchises that have been in dc for so long the nfl team is not there uh you got new ownership so now you really can't use well we're not going to talk to snyder we're not going to have business with snyder because of what has happened in the past that's done harris i think was he instrumental in getting the new arena and the new stadium uh uh, the new uh, i'm sorry the new arena in Philly when he was the uh
1: I don't know if he was the owner at that point but I'm glad you mentioned that before you go. Here's the bitter irony of the whole thing. He the Sixers want well, to yeah, yeah, he wants to build a new arena ah. for the Sixers. And he wants it downtown in Chinatown of Philadelphia, and they're fighting it. They don't want it down there. They want Chinatown the way Chinatown is. Mm -hmm. And here, how ironic is that? In D.C., the Chinatown people are saying, don't take our arena away from us. It's kind of a dichotomy. It's really kind of funny.
2: Interesting. I don't think the
1: Sixers one is going to get built. I think there's been enough opposition from Chinatown that it's – It's not going to happen, but Josh Harris has been behind that. Yeah, and now I think his focus of attention will be on the commanders. I think Philly has
2: a great setup where you have the baseball stadium, the football stadium, and the hockey and Wells Fargo all within walking distance of each other. Distance, it is a perfect setup to have all three of those uh, stadiums and arenas. If you could, if you could do something like that for DC, where Leonis could say, "Let's have Mm -hmm. you know the new RFK and." Whatever you want to name, the new Capital One or whatever, whatever yeah. you know, for the Caps and the Wizards and I don't know if Nationals Park, if you could do something where those three entities are similar mm-hmm. in location to Philadelphia, you got it perfect in D.C. Mm-hmm. The question would be, where in D.C. can, can, you, you, do can you do all three? Yeah. Or now in Arlington, Alexandria, can you build all Maybe. three and it'd be cl- so close <laughs> To Nationals Park, where you can still. But see it the wouldn't event.
1: be in DC, that be in won't. That will rub some people. Yes, from, and yeah. I will tell. You, I know you got to go. The last three times I've gone to a Phillies game, mm-hmm. I have parked in the Eagles parking lot because that's what it's there for. Yep. But that's how easy it is because mm-hmm. they share the whole thing.
2: And that's the thing, you know. Hope you have that ability that those parking lots, when they you're not, when, when it's other, not in season, right. You can still do it, and yep. it's it's not an issue. That that in a perfect world. For Josh Harris and Ted Leonis, they could come together and say, "Hey, let's build a complex similar to what it is in Philadelphia." I hear
1: you, Sean. You're calling Philadelphia a perfect world. I just say it's a perfect world. Yeah,
2: Philadelphia is a perfect world. Sean Robertson just just said that before he left. Just (laughs) the locations of those of those stadiums, and I'm no, I've when we went up there. think the last time i went there was 09 to cover the tournament for vc uh for vcu when Mm -hmm. i went to wells fargo and i was like oh they're that close i'm like this is like great and the spectrum i think was still up at that time so you still you had the spectrum uh what was it was nah, the it must the have been,
1: it was just called something different it was Comcast okay. center Yeah. then it became wells fargo the team yeah. changed its name right, i know you got i know you got to get going um i was just going to say one more thing and i forget what it was well they've got 5 years to figure it out yes. cuz this thing won't be built until 2027 or twenty seven twenty eight. but that would be the thing hopefully somewhere around there so they got time to figure it Leonis
2: out Leonis and harris can work can can come together with that you would like to have all three i don't that's know about an angle national i hadn't heard
1: yet that's interesting yeah
2: that's what I mean. If it can't be in D.C., let it be fan friendly, where you can have all three, and then the Nationals, we can worry about them later. But you can have all three of those entities yeah. within walking distance, and those parking lots can be shared, and then the fans can enjoy all of that. It would be perfect. But hopefully, that would that would happen if they come here. Yeah, to I game. think
1: like you said, they got to get the Commanders back in the city limits. Got now. to. The how how long ago was it? I mean, when they were in Landover, how long have they been out of Landover now? It's been a couple decades. Been twenty something. Yeah, I, I want to say it was ninety So it's been 20, 25 years since you know, because let's I remember.
2: Think his, I think Dallas Dallas was their first opponent at FedEx and that was ninety nine.
1: But let no I'm talking about the Wizards and the Capitals. Oh the Wiz- Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. They played in Landover.
2: Oh, Landover, Maryland.
1: That's right. The old uh, they weren't in the city limits then. Yeah, either. the cap center. How long, yes. Yeah, how long has that been?
2: Man, that's uh, a
1: couple decades at least. Easily, maybe twenty-five yeah. years. Yeah, yeah.
2: Mid nineties, mid late nineties. Yeah.
1: So it's not unprecedented. I think
2: Jordan was still playing the last time yeah. they were at the old cap center. Yeah. So yeah, so you at least a quarter century. Yeah. So I mean, quarter century is not that long for, nope. a, for an arena.
1: They're heading that way now. Yep. Not that way. They're heading to Virginia. Yep. See you,
2: where you headed? Headed actually to VSU. Oh good! A basketball game down at VSU, and we'll see how that plays out. It's it's a women's game, and I, I we we don't All show right. them a lot. Let's uh, do it. But as of right now, VSU and Christopher Newport are the only two state schools for women that are undefeated. I like it. So we'll see if one of them remains that way after tonight. There's
1: not many for the men either. JMU, I know no, J- that. I think that's, JMU that's, is it. The, right, the only one, yeah. probably right.
2: I think so. I think Liberty so. has a loss. Yeah. Uh,
1: oh, yeah. All the rest of them do. OD- yeah, I think, yeah. They're,
2: I think they're the only one.
1: Well, go see the unde- undefeated VSU ladies. See See all how right. they go. All right. Back to finish it up after the break. 1061 ESPN. Tune for the Dallas Cowboys all season is 1061 ESPN.
0: Brought to you by Arthur's Electric and Park and & Go.
1: Hey, I'm glad you just heard that promo. Um, We are going to talk tomorrow on this show about those RVA Sports Awards. We have done a little bit with them each of the last couple of years of course as you heard Channel 6 uh, airs those sports awards with Lane Casadante coming up in February Uh, tomorrow on this show we'll talk with um, a representative from Richmond Region Tourism from our good friends there about the RVA sports awards coming up again that has become a really nice big deal in our city and a really well done presentation so that's tomorrow also tomorrow Bob Chesney is going to join us the new head football coach of the James Madison Dukes listen up uh, all you Duke fans and listeners out there. 5.30 tomorrow afternoon. We'll wind up the week with Coach Chesney from James Madison. Find out what his first week on the job has been like and what it's going to be like moving forward forward. So Coach Chesney joins us tomorrow at 5.30. Also excited about our bowl lineup that we started. I started telling you about Yesterday, we actually kick it off on Saturday. The first bowl game that we'll have will be the Celebration Bowl uh, between Howard and Florida A&M. That's down there in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. That's a noon game on Saturday. So that's our first bowl game, the Celebration Bowl, Saturday. Um, Howard and Florida A&M noon at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. That is always a big-deal game, and it will be again this year. Our second bowl game will be Monday afternoon Uh, that's the game that Old Dominion is playing down in Charlotte in the famous Toastery Bowl against uh, Western Kentucky. That's a 2.30 game on Monday, and we'll have that one for you. So no border-to-border and no sports huddle on Monday because we'll have the famous Toastery Bowl for you. And as soon as that is done and it better be done by 6 o'clock, we will have Behind the Web with Richmond basketball coach Chris Mooney from World of Beer from 6 to 7 Monday. That's our last show of the calendar year. We'll take a couple weeks hiatus uh, with the holiday break with Christmas and New Year's coming up. And speaking of the Spiders, we have Spider basketball for you Saturday. So a really good day of play-by-play programming with the Celebration Bowl at noon and then 6.30 airtime for the Spiders against the Charlotte 49ers, former uh, conference opponent of the Spiders in the uh, Atlantic ten. That's at the Robin Center. Spiders are finally back home. They got four straight home games coming up, and it starts with Charlotte Saturday night, six thirty airtime, seven o'clock tip time at the Robbins Center. Uh, the rest of the bowl lineup for us, by the way, we have all of the state teams. I mentioned this yesterday. I want to keep pounding it home to you because we're really excited about all of these. Next Saturday, the 23rd, James Madison against Air Force in the Armed Forces Bowl from Fort Worth, Texas. That's at 3.30. Wednesday, the 27th, after Christmas, before New Year's, is Tex Bowl game in the Military Bowl up in Annapolis. I'm sure a lot of Hokie fans are making that short trip to Annapolis, which is a great place to go visit and a great place for a bowl game. Uh, Virginia Tech and Tulane. Tulane, of course, also in a coaching transition. So the Hokies are actually favored, I think, in that game. So we'll have the Tech game against Tulane in the Military Bowl, 2 o'clock on Wednesday, 27th, and then the Liberty Flames in that New Year's Day Bowl in the Fiesta Bowl from out there in Arizona against 8th-ranked Oregon on Monday, January 1st. So we've got all four of our state teams that are in bowl games. We'll have those bowl games for you right here on 106.1. ESPN. All right, don't forget, there's an NFL game tonight. We'll talk about that tomorrow, the uh, the Chargers and the Raiders. uh, Tonight, uh, no Justin Herbert. He's out with the injury. We'll talk about that game as we start another NFL weekend tonight as we wrap up our show for today. Thanks to Sean Robertson for being here this afternoon. He's on his way to a game to cover that for Channel 6 at Virginia State. Always enjoy having him co-hosting and being in the studio with our guy Sweet Lou over there as well, producing Our program this afternoon hey a full week of the sports huddle uh who would have ever thought it'll be the last one for this year so i hope you enjoyed it we'll finish it tomorrow at four o'clock full day of programming tomorrow jamie king and the sports king at seven big al with sports phone from eight until ten our espn programming middle of the day matt josephs with border to border from three to four and then i'll get you into your weekend wrap it up for you with the sports huddle friday at four o'clock so we talk to you tomorrow afternoon. Thanks for being with us today. So long for the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN.
0: Hey sports fans, this is Ross Luck from Spiders Athletics All Year Round. W291CL Lakeside Richmond. W-U-R-V-H-D-2 Richmond. We are 1061 ESPN.
4: Doug Brown, Alabama quarterback Jalen Milroe plans to stay in school for his senior season next year. Milroe will get his degree in business administration on Saturday. The Crimson Tide play Michigan in the college football playoff semifinal on New Year's Day. Warriors GM Mike Dunleavy Jr. says even though Draymond Green is serving an indefinite suspension... For now, he'll
5: still be allowed around the team. For us, the thought process is, um, I think there's a lot of ways you can go about this, but I think we think for now the healthiest healthiest thing is for him to be around. And, um, you know, that it may not be every single day, but uh, we're not jettisoning the guy off somewhere.
4: Mike Dunleavy Jr. Green was ejected from his third game this season Tuesday night after hitting Yusef Nurkic of the Suns in the face. Packers running back A.J. Dillon did not practice today. He has a broken right thumb from Monday night's loss to the Giants. The Packers play the Buccaneers on Sunday. NFL Week 15 kicks off tonight with the Raiders hosting the Chargers in Las Vegas. Both teams enter the game 5-8. and eight.
5: ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com.
2: From Studio 2 at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN, this is Freddie and Harry.
6: Nick Carty is one of the youngest members of our staff. So he had a chance to see the Barry Sanders Really, biography on Prime Video. They did like a whole thing on him. And Nick was like, this guy was ridiculous. Amazing. Chad, you played against Barry Sanders. You got a Barry Sanders story. What is
3: it? And it was an outside run to left. I was playing right and go to, to run through my A gap. I see it's an outside play. Barry's running outside the tackle to my left. So I abandoned my gap. To go chase Barry down. You sure about that? Barry recognizes it, right foot in the ground, cuts back to the A gap 68 yards later. <laughs> <laughs> Touchdown Lions. I've made a huge mistake. And Chad is getting yelled at by Bill <laughs>
2: Cower on the sideline. Man, that was bad. This is Freddie and Harry. <laughs>
6: And welcome to the best show on your radio. It is Freddie and Harry. Got my man Chad Brown in for Harry Douglas. I'm just merely Freddie Coleman. We are presented by Progressive Insurance on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and always, always, always tell your smart speaker, to play ESPN Radio. In 10 minutes, you're going to hear what person the worst organization said this about Draymond Green's indefinite suspension.
5: We work with the league, his representation, Draymond, just to kind of talk through and figure out and we think it's the right solution right now. And
6: you'll see exactly why they believe that is the right solution, the indefinite suspension that comes your way in about 10 minutes. Big game in the National Football League. We're calling this weekend Desperation Sunday in the NFL. The Cowboys have not needed to play like a desperate team, Chad Brown. Everything's been wonderful. They're scoring the ball. They're forcing turnovers. Mike McCarthy did not have to worry about staying in the hospital. He was there on Sunday when they beat the Philadelphia Eagles after having an emergency appendectomy completely Dak Prescott in that MVP conversation the quarterback even Dak Prescott clearly understands Yeah, so far. It's been terrific since the San Francisco loss, but there's still a way to go
2: My jobs go out there and play against that defense understanding that I've got to take advantage of my opportunities Can't stall out knowing that they do have a playmaker a great quarterback on the other side of the field But it's, this is the furthest thing from from me versus him in this sense, especially with the way that our defense is playing uh, and really the way that their defense is playing. I mean, one of the best at getting the ball. They're a veteran defense. Obviously, they got some guys down, but they've you know played together a lot. Older back half, guys that can disguise really well. So I've got a challenge in that alone that, yeah, just got to take advantage of our opportunity to score some points, knowing that uh, with Josh on the other side that they can score as well.
6: It finally feels like it's his football team. I know Jerry Jones chat is never going to shut up, especially when you have a radio show each and every Tuesday and microphones are always in front of you, man. That's catnip to Jerry Jones. But it finally feels that somebody else is on that line with him that's not a coach or that's not a star crossed player like a Des Bryant. That's where Dak Prescott is, the way his play has been able. When people look at the Cowboys and say, man, yeah, we know Jerry Jones, but man, that's their team. That's his team now when it comes to Dallas Cowboys. To me, That's been the biggest difference why even though they have the same record as they did last year at the 13 games, it feels like it's more of Prescott's team that's following his lead and not just Jerry Jones being the loudmouth owner of a team that has not won a Super Bowl since 1996.
3: Well, I think Jerry Jones talked about this being the marriage of Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy as a play caller. So that then becomes your team when the play caller starts to not ask you to do his plays but starts to run things and call games to your benefit as a quarterback, mm-hmm. then that does naturally become your team. We don't have an offense. We've got a Dak Prescott offense. Right. And there's a difference right. in that. And then, so once that move is made from a play calling standpoint, once that conversation is had upstairs in the coaches' rooms, then that trickles down to the locker room of, oh, they're putting their complete faith and trust in this guy. Therefore, this is his team. And that guy has upheld his end of the bargain because Dak Prescott shows who he is week in and week out. He's now comfortable with the offense, playing at a high level week in and week out. And even in games where the Cowboys have lost, he has been the better quarterback on the field.
6: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't wait to see how that's going to match up because you could really say the same thing about Josh Allen because in the game they lost to Philadelphia Eagles, just like Dak Prescott in Philadelphia, he was definitely the better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. He was, except for a couple of mistakes, and not trying to excuse it, not trying to absolve them of it, those things were magnified. You throw that pick when you had everything in your favor and they're able to flip that momentum back for the Philadelphia Eagles and then Gabe Davis runs one way, you throw the pass the other way, you got to settle for a field goal and not put six points, seven points on the board on your first possession of overtime. So I understand those kind of things when it comes to that's what kind of money game this is going to be because both of these teams know that schedule is still there. That can derail any kind of hope when it comes to Dallas being the NFC East champion or the Buffalo Bills getting into the playoffs. Can't wait to see exactly because these guys have shown you can throw as much pressure at us that you want. We're going to find a way to get this to our football team. But now both of these guys in essentially the same situation when it comes to erasing maybe any doubt that's still out there or really trying to put some distance between you and teams that are trying to catch you or you're trying to catch other teams when it comes to the playoff race with the Cowboys in the AMC East and the Buffalo Bills in the AFC?
3: I think the, the, the teams are, the organizations are facing slightly different expectations. True. I, th- I think the Buffalo Bills fans would think it would be awesome to win a Super Bowl and make a deep playoff run. They've had some injuries on defense. We've talked about that a couple times during the show, and it's been a bit of an uneven year for them. Versus Cowboy fans, it's Super Bowl or bust. Mm-hmm. If the Cowboys do not win the Super Bowl, their fan base is going to be incredibly disappointed particularly with this good feelings that we're talking about right now cowboy fans are typically a, a little standoffish and a little mm-hmm. like you know i'm not going to invest my all my emotions fully until they show me what they're going to do and they're going to make a deep playoff run before I, i'm all in they've given up that you know that caution this year and they are absolutely believing so it's super bowl or bust otherwise cowboy fans cowboy nation will be completely crushed at the end of this season
6: I would like to disagree with you as a Cowboys fan, but I can't because you're exactly <laughs> right. Because I, I've seen this and I've I've, I've I've heard this song. I've read that book. I've seen that show where anytime it seems that, oh, we're going to finally find that holy grail. Are we going to see that light? That's been a darkness championship-less tunnel for the Dallas Cowboys since the 1990s. So believe me, sympathetic, I could not more be when it comes to exactly what you just said. There's always that yeah, but. Because we've seen enough year bust that last a lifetime as a Dallas as Cowboys nation, as a Cowboys fan. And believe me, there are plenty of Dallas Cowboys fans that make me want to put my eyeballs out of my head. When I say to myself, man, I can't believe the fans are the same football team. Can you find another team, please, and leave my team alone? <laughs> Those are certain kind of fans that drive me nuts. But any fan base has that. But if you're a Cowboys fan, if you're a Cowboys owner, if you're a Cowboys player, Sunday is going to feel like a playoff game. After what you did against the Philadelphia Eagles, what you've been able to do since losing to the San Francisco 49ers, you only had one loss since then. This is a chance to go up there into a place where many people still believe that you can't go in there and win in December versus that team and that fan base and that building. That's why it has a money game playoff field to it and not just for the Buffalo Bills trying to find a way to move up the ladder in the AFC race in the playoffs.
3: Yeah, I got to agree with that. This is a money game for the Dallas Cowboys. And, and I know, as I just talked about, Cowboy fans are looking at the bigger picture of it all. But, but this, is that, this is one of those stepping stones towards that picture. You've mm-hmm. got to prove not only to you know, the rest of the league, but I think there's some, some proving still needs to be done in that Cowboys locker room. Okay. Uh, that this is the kind of team we are. We can take on one of the best teams, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. We can go into hostile territory and find ways to come out victorious.
6: Jerry Jones is believing on his radio show, Cowboys owner and GM on 105.3 The Fan, to say he believes that he wants to exercise the demons of not being a championship team since 1995, 1996. Oh, he knows this year is different, but
1: I really think that uh, Dak uh, playing uh, the way he's playing, the way he's playing um, uh, in coordination with uh, what Mike's wanting uh, it to be on the offensive side of the ball, Uh, understanding uh, with uh, uh, maybe as a result of the uh, time that
0: he and Mike have spent together, but the understanding of of just uh, the field position, again, the complementary football. And what a head coach
1: that has uh, been around the what I call a walk-around head coach that has been walking around or been around all phases of the football. They have a little different perspective when
0: they're calling the plays on offense if they're the coordinator as well. And it's more complimentary.
1: And I think we're getting the benefit of that. But uh, I think Dak's adaptation to what uh, Mike pointed to, uh, the direction he wanted us to go with, is big. Well, that
6: all sounds well and good, Jerry Jones, but we'll be, especially on Sunday. He's Chad Browning for Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman. Thanks for joining us. Freddie and Freddie Harry on ESPN Radio. Randy in Arizona, he wants to weigh in on this about the Cowboys taking on the Bills part of Desperation Sunday in the NFL this weekend at eight 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 seven two nine three seven. 7 6 Randy Randy what you got my man fantastic show as always Freddie you
1: whether it's Chad or Harry you make it radio gold my friend thank you brother appreciate so, that. so hey I wanted to say that this game in Buffalo has all the markings of a Nick Saban rat poison game <laughs> because after a big win against Philly and having all the accolades MVP deck defense is unstoppable offense is unstoppable and all of a sudden, you're coming in and have a little bit of a letdown if you're reading those press clippings in Dallas. And I just, uh, I'm sort of doubling down on Buffalo winning the NFC or the AFC East
3: because Tennessee did them a favor mm-hmm. this week. And nine, I'll tell you why Miami isn't going anywhere. Press, Lamar, and Josh Allen.
4: Three.
6: Unfortunately, we lose to Randy in Arizona's phone, but. I don't know about trap game. I don't know if I would use that term. I would say it's one of those games you say to yourself, okay, can you maintain? It's a maintained game for the Cowboys because they finally able to slay that demon known as Philadelphia. Many people wonder if they could actually do that, especially when they had that close call versus Seattle 10 days ago. So I don't want to say, Chad, it's a trap game. I'll say it's a maintained game. If you're the Dallas Cowboys, if you want people to believe in you as much as you believe in yourself as an organization.
3: I mean, sometimes in the NFL, the worst thing you can do is be good. And to win five games in a row, as the Cowboys have, yeah, you start to believe in in these press clippings. You start to hear about, hey, our quarterback's the MVP, and it's human nature. Human Mm -hmm. nature wants to rest. Human nature wants to take the edge off. Uh, But I think... (laughs) facing the Bills, knowing who the quarterback is of the Bills, knowing the kind of hostile territory they're going to, I don't see this as a trap game. A trap game is you know, typically a team that's not doing well and you don't take them seriously. That's more the situation. I think the Cowboys are going to take the Bills seriously. Yeah. Um but are they as centered and focused now with the possibility of a six-game winning streak, mm-hmm. as, a, as they were maybe mm-hmm. only two games into that winning streak. That's a fair, legitimate question in my mind.
6: It would have been more of a trap game had Buffalo lost to Kansas City. Because I yes. firmly believe Buffalo lost to Kansas City. They were not making the playoffs, and then guys are playing for employment next year in 2024, the Buffalo Bills. Then, yeah, it would be characterized more as a trap game. But Buffalo believes they know they got a chance. And Tennessee Titans, they did them a favor. And there are plenty of AFC teams. They want the Cowboys to beat the Bills because the Bills keep playing like that. That may, not want, that may not be a team you want to see on your side of the bracket in the AFC playoffs, whether you got the top seed in the rest or not, because we know what kind of talent the quarterback has. And now they got the new offensive coordinator. They could be a very dangerous team no matter what kind of troubles Buffalo's gone through so far before the last couple of weeks. Chad Brown in for Harry Douglas. and Freddie Coleman. i Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. Presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable, so do yourself a favor. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All that protection for you in one place. So bundle and save at Progressive.com.
4: Warriors forward Draymond Green Suspended indefinitely This is a culmination suspension I'm told he wants to get help To try to keep this from happening again You're going to cost yourself your ability To play in this league If you keep wailing on people
6: Devin Canna produce Trying to pull the old doke on me Nice try Mr. St. Bonaventure Oops Nice try, Mr. St. Bonaventure. Jeff Brown in for Harry Douglas. Joining me, Freddie Coleman, on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. So the NBA, they suspended Draymond Green of the Golden State Warriors indefinitely citing repeated history, quote, end quote. But many people wonder, was it Golden State's idea or was it the NBA's idea, not just the suspension, but the indefinite suspension? Mike Dunleavy, Jr., Warriors general manager, had a chance to speak on that about whose idea it was to say that Draymond Green you need to take a break.
5: No, there is active collaboration. I reached out in a sense of, "Hey, we, you know, we understand there's a punishment that's going to take place, but this is also about, you know, supporting and helping somebody." And so they 100% agreed. You know, as did Draymond his rep- representation. So we we've all been on the same page, and um, you know, because you, you got to work together in these things um, as league rules permit for us to have one thing and the league to have another, and you know, crossing over and all that stuff. It, we, we all need to be on the same page in this one. I think we are. At the end of the day, his past, you know, transgressions on the court um, will lead to, you know, harsher punishment. They've stated that. That's just the case. He's got to be aware of it. But, you know, hopefully we can get him to a point where he's still the same high-energy competitive guy and as situations arise, um, you know, he's got to find a way to regulate that.
6: Chad, I'm going to say the same thing that I said to Draymond Green when he put himself in those situations. Severe, not as severe, whatever. I'm going to say the same thing to Mike Dunleavy during the Golden State Wars that I would said to Draymond Green if he was still playing. Talk is cheap. I've heard this before. I've heard this before about making excuses for him or saying that, man, he's learned this lesson or Draymond knows what he did is wrong. Yeah, but how many times... Is that going to happen for you, say, as an organization? What are we going to do about this, and how much longer will we allow this to continue? So talk is cheap, as far as I'm concerned, from Golden State, whether it's Mike Dunleavy Jr., whether it's Steve Kerr, whatever Steph Curry has to say, even when Draymond Green comes back and he makes a statement. Talk is cheap, because I've heard this before from Golden State and Draymond Green.
3: What... what? Okay, this is always so tricky. What, what are what is what's an organization's obligation here? Okay. Are they to support the player, because that seems what they're trying to do? Are they do they need to acknowledge what the player has has done and he's and he stepped over the line clearly? Um, do they need to issue some kind of punishment some kind of retribution for consequences repercussions for your actions uh what what needs to what needs to happen is this is always so tricky for me and it can be an example of uh gosh last week the denver broncos jerry judy dropped two right. potential passes could have been scoring plays and then he had a catch in the end zone where he was lazy with his footwork and didn't get a second foot down right now Deshaun Sean Payton supposed to bench him for the second half? What is supposed to happen when players don't do well? What's 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 your role if you're if you're mm-hmm. the head coach? If you're Steve Kerr, if you're Mike Donnelly Junior. What is Freddie Coleman going to do right. in this situation? How do you help your player yet still not hurt your team?
6: Because the only role that's been defined based on what you're just saying, and I'm with you, is what Draymond Green has been. Other roles have not been defined in terms of. When stuff like this happens, who is that person that has to not confront him, but sit him down and say, dude, do you realize what the bleep you're doing? That anytime you do something like this, whose role is that supposed to be with the organization, with the Golden State Warriors? Not talking about any organization, talking about that one right now. Is it Steph's role? Is it Steve Kerr's role? Was it Bob Myers' role before he decided to leave as general manager? And that's why the ESPN NBA crew. The only role that's really been defined in all of this has been Draymond Green's role. He has completely been the star of that role each and every time that something happens, he gets out of sorts. He either apologizes or he's a little contrite, but he always says, I can't be the other way because that's not how I've been able to be a quote unquote star of this organization and also being able to be that essential player in this league for the Golden State Warriors. So what happens when that effectiveness is not going to be there? And let's say he runs off the road again. What role is someone going to take to say either that's enough or Draymond, you know better? Because the only role that's been defined is Draymond Green being Draymond Green.
3: Yes, and that has worked for Draymond Green. He's got a four-year, $100 million deal. Absolutely. He, he is. He's part of the leadership council. So it's like, oh, let's get the team leaders together and go talk to Draymond. Well, he's part of that group. (laughs) So in some ways, he's been enabled and propped up into this. Yes. And again, I think he would argue – to his last breath that the very same things that have gotten him suspended mm-hmm. are also the very same things that enabled him to help the Warriors to championships. And I, just for the listeners, I'm not in support of this ridiculousness that Draymond Green does, but I'm just trying to illustrate some of the difficulties from an organizational standpoint. What do you do? Because you've tried, you've bent over to this guy in the right. past and trying to make him feel like he's part of the team. Trying to make him feel like he's got a role. Trying to make him feel like he's essential to what we do. to In, in efforts to to get him to look in the mirror and see how his actions could hurt the team. But in reality, the things that the Golden State Warriors have done have only further enabled him and made him double down on these things. And even when you look at Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr has had no problem speaking out publicly about very, very controversial subjects and topics and has been very clear and demonstrative about his angle, his approach, his, his perspective on these things. What has he really talked about very clearly and harshly is Draymond Green. So even the head coach, who is as fearless as any head coach in the NBA about talking about difficult things, does not talk about this player in that way because they want to bend over and backwards and support this guy in efforts to get him to turn around. But now that that has fallen flat, what are they supposed to do now?
6: Well, whenever the indefinite suspension is over, whatever that time frame is, what could it look like when Draymond Green rejoins the Golden State Warriors? We have Richard Jefferson, who played in the NBA from 2001 through 2018, won an NBA championship as a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers in 2016 that took down that Golden State Warriors team that was 73-9 and in the regular season. He talked about the welcoming back when it comes to Draymond from his team, when and if that happens.
3: To me, that's not even a question, right? Like, he's your leader. He helps you win games. When he's on the court, he helps everyone get paid. Like, there is no... There is no, how do we receive him? No, he is the locker room. He's a leader in the locker room. And he's been, honestly, he's been a leader since his rookie year. Not in the same capacity,
2: but he has been a voice in the locker room. He's been an emotional leader in the locker room Mm -hmm.
3: since he came into the league. Right? And so, you know, when I look at that, when I look at him, right, when I look at him, I'm just like, I'm like, Draymond has to do a better job. This is the biggest issue with this situation moving forward. He has zero
6: room for error no error because right now nobody cares about any kind of explanation chad and not so much in draymond green but especially from the enablers that have been the golden state warriors because of what he has represented from a leadership standpoint and a production standpoint throughout his nba career with golden state
3: yeah, I, I'm just as as the show has gone on, I'm just seeing this from a, a number of different angles. Okay. The the NBA fan in me is like this is ridiculous. Something needs to happen with this dude. If I'm an NBA player on another team, I recognize while I would probably like that guy on my team for the most part, mm-hmm. I hate playing against that guy. And when we play against the Warriors, I know I've got to deal with that guy, and that gives the Warriors better a better chance for success. I also see it from Steve Kerr's standpoint. Right. Hey, I've got an obligation not just to him but to the rest of his team and make sure we find ways to win and organizationally do I want to incur the wrath of the NBA Players Association and do something rash and suspend him before the NBA does their thing I don't want to do that that puts us in a bad spot with those guys that's the most powerful player organization in all of professional sports so I see a lot of this but in the end clearly his behavior has to change the question becomes how do we do that how do we accomplish that and from a warrior standpoint how do we do that without disrupting the rest of our team while we try to get our season going
6: in other words same stay tuned (laughs) same draymond situation same draymond channel whenever he comes back after that indefinite suspension is over regarding Draymond Green of the Golden State Warriors, here is Chad Brown in for Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman. Always, always thankful that you're hanging out with us here on Freddie and Harry. And now it's time for you to weigh in at Triple Eight Eight ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six because about bringing the past into the present. What was your first car? We're gonna let you know ours, Chad. Freddie, Shannon Penn, Devin Kane, our producers. You can be like Willie G. Ramirez with me on Twitter, Coleman ESPN saying, I had a candy apple red Volkswagen bug with the gold NK rims, Krako stereo with a house speaker in the back where I pulled the